How can it be? Oh, I love that song. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 6, and also put your finger in Matthew chapter 12. We'll just be going to Matthew chapter 12 for the first little bit while we're reading this. Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 5 will be where our text will be. And then Matthew 12, um, verses 1 to 8, I'd like to read along with this. It's the same account, but just in the words of Matthew, and there's a little bit more added to it. So, the name of the message is Jesus Christ, Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus Christ, Lord of the Sabbath. Luke chapter 1, or 6, I'm sorry, verses 1 to 5. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath day after the first that he went through the cornfields. And his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto him, them, why do ye why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? Days. And Jesus answering them said, Have you not read so much as this, what David did when himself was in hunger, and they which were with him? How he went into the house of God and did take and eat of the showbread and gave also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone? And he said unto them, The Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now turn, if you would, over to Matthew chapter 12. We see the same account found over there. But we'll look at verses 1 to 8. And we're seeing this account. Take note as we're reading it. In this account, in verses 5 to 7, um, the Lord's words about the priests in the temple have been added. And in verse 7, or I mean verse uh, 6, where he says there's a greater than the temple before them. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples and were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hungered and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read, now here's the portion too added by Matthew, or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless because the priests have to work? They're, they're doing the sacrifices and all the things that they do, lighting the incense on the Sabbath day. They're blameless. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had not, but if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Now note verses 5 to 7 there. Or have you not read in, in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. Again, so they have to perform duties on the Sabbath day. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. Now think upon this. I was meditating. They're not meditating. Just thinking upon this. So this week. And think, think upon this. My mic's not on. Think upon this so that um, the very one whose Shekinah glory dwelt in the temple 
temple was just where he where he dwelt. The holy of holies is just where he dwelt when he dwelt among men. But the very one who who should call the glory, the very one who who led them in the wilderness, is now among them. Now among them. This is why he says a greater, a greater. One greater than the temple is among you. Let's go back to our text in Luke chapter 6, verse 1. And we'll look at each verse in this portion here. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfield, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. Now let us note here that our Lord and his disciples were passing through a cornfield. Passing through a cornfield on the second Sabbath after the first. And the first Sabbath probably refers to the offering of the first fruits during one of the harvest seasons. The barley harvest was in April, and the wheat harvest was in June. And the second Sabbath would have been would have been the first one after the week of those festivals, of those, those harvests. The first fruits of the wheat harvest were offered. And it says, he went through cornfields. Turn, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25. Now the disciples, as they and their master traversed some field, plowed through corn, they gathered a few ears. As the law provides, the law allows this. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25. And this is important because the Lord asked them, have you not read? He asked them. Look at Deuteronomy 23, 25. When thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. Now let us note here too, the field that the disciples and the Lord are passing through, the field did not belong to any of the disciples. They were not stealing. They were doing what Deuteronomy 23.25 allows. Allows. And this law was given for the benefit of the poor. It was given for the benefit of the poor. And these men of God plucked the corn. They were hungry. They were hungry. They plucked the corn. And look at this. And the disciples plucked the ears of the corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. Rubbing them in their hands. They rub the corn in their hands, similar to, to, to picking some grain and rubbing it in your hands. And what they used to do, they used to rub it in their hands and then they'd blow on it and the, the chaff would all go. And they'd have the grain left to eat. They'd have the grain left to eat. And this would separate the husk from the corn. And then they could eat it. Then they could eat it. We do not read anywhere in this text that our Lord's disciples complained that they were they didn't have a meal prepared for them, but they, they were thankful to God that they could go through and pluck an ear of corn and eat an ear of corn because it was all provided for them. And God is the one who's provided for them. May our great God and King, may he make us thankful for what he's provided for us. For us. We're daily loaded down with benefits, aren't we? We're daily loaded down with let us be grateful, and let us not take any of it for granted. Now let us consider what occurs next. As Sabbath observance was the very heart of the Jewish religion, the very heart of the Jewish religion, 
And the Lord Jesus Christ gave approval to that which the Jews considered a violation of the, of the Sabbath laws. They jumped at the opportunity to question our Lord. They jumped at the opportunity. Look at verse 2. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? Now we know that these religious Pharisees were not companions of our Lord. Because Scripture talks and proclaims, can two walk together except they be agreed? They were always trying, always trying to catch our Savior in something, weren't they? They didn't know who He was. They had no idea that the very one they're talking to is the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. These self-righteous religious fault finders were always looking for something to trip our Lord up on. Always finding fault in something that he's done. They hated him. And they were trying to find... Think of this. Think of this, beloved. They were trying to find fault with the very one whose there's no fault in. He's perfect. He's sinless. And yet, they're trying to find fault in him. He's the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. The only man who walked upon this earth. And he was fully man. Let us never forget that. He's fully God and he's fully man. He's the only man who ever walked upon this earth before God the Father. And he is the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they asked this question to our Lord. Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? Now in the eyes of the Pharisees, the disciples had committed two violations of the law. They plucked the corn and they rubbed it in their hands, which they would have considered to be reaping, reaping, and, the, and then the rubbing in their hands, they would have considered to be either sifting, grinding, or fanning in the eyes of the Pharisees. So in their eyes, they committed two violations of the law on the Sabbath day. And remember, the Sabbath day was the heart of Jewish religion. And so they ask our Lord the question, why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? They ask him with the intent of finding of finding something in his words that they could accuse him of. They, they didn't have pure motivation. No. They were looking for something. They're evil men. Trying to find something. Finding fault in it. Finding fault in his words. Now think of this too. This was not their fields, beloved. This was not their fields. So it wouldn't be considered reaping because they didn't own the fields. They are doing that which Deuteronomy 23, 25 allows. When thou comest into the standing corner of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck the the, the ears with thine hands, but thou shalt not move a sickle into thy neighbor's standing corn. They were doing that which the law allowed. Now let us consider and learn from what our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, says to these Self-righteous, fault-finding Pharisees. And that's what they are. They're self-righteous, fault-finding Pharisees. And we see that, don't we, all through the Scripture. They're always finding something, or trying to find. But 
but nothing sticks because our Lord is faultless. Our Lord is absolutely faultless. Turn, if you would, to 1 Samuel 21. 1 Samuel 21. And I'll read again, and I'll read in Luke 6, 4, what the Lord answered them. And Jesus answering them said, Have ye not read so much this, what David did when himself was hungered, and they which were with him? How he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread, and gave also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. 1 Samuel 21, verses 1 to 6, we see David, he's running from Saul, and Saul wanted to kill him. And, and David and his men were hungry, beloved. They were hungry, just like the disciples in our text were hungry. So they went into the house of God, and they asked Abimelech, the priest, for food. Then David came to Nob to Abimelech, the priest, 1 Samuel 1, we'll read 1 to 6. And Abimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Abimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabouts I send thee, and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in, thy, in mine hand, or, or what, what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hollow bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women, and David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us for about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is the manner common. Yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hollow bread, for there was no bread there, but the showbread that was taken away from before the Lord, that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now go back to our text in Luke 6, verses 3 and 4. All Abimelech had in that portion there was the holy bread, the showbread. And it was sanctified for holy use. It was forbidden by God's holy law for anyone but the priest to eat. But the hunger of David and his men excused their eating the showbread. They were hungry. And the food was right there. And the disciples, remember the disciples in the field? They were not hired servants. They did not own the fields. And the food was right there. They didn't pay for it. And they ate it just as the law allowed. Just as we saw in Deuteronomy. Let's go back to our text in Luke 6, verses 3 and 4. And we see... And Jesus answering him said, Have you not read so much as this, what David did when he was in hunger, which we just read, and they which were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread, and gave also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. So our, our Lord asked the Pharisees, and note, these Pharisees have no concern about others. The disciples are hungry. They're hungry. But the self-righteous fault finders still seek to trap our Lord. And note, he asks them, because he asks them a question, and these men are supposed to be masters of Israel. They're the ones teaching the Israelites. 
And he asked them, Have ye not read so much as this? Now there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. We have the same self-righteous fruit inspectors around us, even today, even today, in religion, all around us. They're always quick to find fault. Always quick to find fault with others. Always, and, and the reason they do that is to justify their own ungodly deeds. And what they do is they, they yoke people. They yoke people under things that they say can gain merit and favor with God. They tell you that you have to do certain things in order to find favor with God. Or they tell you you have to do certain things to be saved. Or they tell you you have to do certain things to stay saved. Right? We, I came out of religion. I know what that means. I know how these Pharisees were because I was one of them. Always finding fault with people. But let us never forget what Paul pens in Galatians. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. Oh, may we never forget this. May we never forget this, beloved. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1. Stand fast. Stand fast. Stand firm, beloved. Stand firm. In what? In the liberty. The freedom we have. The freedom we have. Stand fast in the liberty. Therefore, in the liberty. Wherewith Christ has made us what? Free. We're free, beloved. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, that doesn't mean we can walk out of here and do whatever we want. It doesn't mean that at all. Not at all. But we as believers, have such freedom in Christ. I don't think we really realize the freedom that we have in Christ. It's wonderful. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Free. We're free, beloved. Oh, my. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20, 21. Again, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. These Modern-day Pharisees try to yoke people under things. The Holy Scriptures are very clear on... Very, very clear, like we saw there in Galatians, about standing fast in the liberty which Christ has made us free. Look at 1 Corinthians 9.21. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ. Beloved, we're under the law to Christ, beloved. We're under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. We are led by the Spirit of God. Now go back to Galatians chapter 5. I should have had to keep your finger in there. And look at what verse 18 says, though. Look at this marvelous, wonderful verse. I love this verse. It's so freeing and liberating for the believer. And again, it doesn't mean that we can run out of here and do whatever we want. It doesn't mean that. But look what it says here. But if ye be led of the Spirit... Ye are not under the law. That's so free. And, and Paul before had, had penned, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ had made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So these religious Pharisees, these self-righteous Pharisees, are just yoking people in, in bondage. In bondage. There's no 
There's no freedom in religion. There's no freedom in religion. But there's freedom in grace. It's wonderful. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 13, verse 10. And we know, look at this, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, we've been going through that study in 1 Peter, and one of the things that Peter is really bringing forth is love in the brethren, isn't it? Love in the brethren. It's an evidence of regeneration. And look at what Romans says here. This is, this is wonderful. Romans 13, 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So those who are under the law of Christ, as 1 Corinthians 9.21 proclaims, are under the law of love. Under the law of love. And faith worketh by what? Love. We love one another as believers. It's wonderful. And the only reason we love one another is because we're born again of the Holy Spirit of God. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And then go to John 14.15. And then put, and put your finger in John 15, 12. Love for Christ. Now, let, let us mark this too. Love for Christ is the only motivation for anything we do in God's kingdom. The only, the only motivation for anything we do serving the Lord is our love for him. Our love for Christ. Our love for Christ. Look at John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, Keep my commandments. Then go over to John 15, 12. What's his commandment? This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Isn't that wonderful? It's absolutely wonderful. And last week in Sunday school, we looked at how loving the brethren is an evidence of regeneration. It's an evidence that we're born again. Now, God's preachers will never teach that grace gives us a license to sin. We won't do I've never heard a grace preacher say that. We've been accused of that, but I've never heard a grace preacher say that. Never heard a grace preacher say that. Grace will not give you a license to sin. But those who try to bind God's children with a list of do's and don'ts, they're they're, they're teaching nothing but the commandments of man. The commandments of man. Stand fast in the liberty. Where Christ hath made us free. And those who are giving you a list of do's and don'ts, they're just like these Pharisees in our text. They're just like these Pharisees. And I I speak from experience because I was one of them. Let us never again forget the charge to the Galatian believers. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Now there's that hinge word, hath made us, he hath, he's made us free, beloved. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What what are these Pharisees doing? What are they trying to do? They're trying to yoke the disciples. They're trying to yoke them, aren't they? Oh my. They don't know who they're talking to, though. They don't know who they're talking to. One more thing for us to consider about David and his men eating the showbread is that it was lawful for priests to eat that bread, right? It was lawful for priests to eat that bread. The Lord Jesus Christ in picture is pictured in the showbread. He's the bread of life. He's the bread of life. He's that bread which came down from heaven, isn't he? 
He's that bread which came down from heaven. Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Now, only the priests could eat that bread. And the Lord Jesus Christ has redeemed his people from their sins by the shedding of his own blood. Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. And this is the redeemed. This is the redeemed of the Lord. To open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred tongue and tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and what? Priests. Priests. Only the priests could eat the bread. Only the priests could eat the bread, beloved. Christ is the bread of life to his people. He's the bread of life, and we shall reign on the earth. The scriptures does not teach universal redemption. Redemption was for a particular people out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And Revelation says these people are priests and kings. And what do we feast upon, beloved, as God's people? Christ bread of life, the bread of life, which the showbread, which the showbread pictured. Oh my. Hebrews 13.10, the scripture declares this, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. Oh, we have an altar, don't we? And that's Christ Jesus, our Lord, the bread of life for his people. And he is every believer's Sabbath too, isn't he? He's every believer's Sabbath. Now the Pharisees were all worked up that they supposedly broke the Sabbath. (laughs) Oh, but Christ is our Sabbath. Christ is our rest. He's our Sabbath. And we'll see that. We'll see that in our text here. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 12 and we'll read quickly what Matthew had added in verses 5 to 7. Have ye not read in the law that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Matthew 12, 5. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what that is, this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. They weren't guilty of breaking the Sabbath. Now under the old covenant, again, the priests had to work on the Sabbath days, the temple, the animals had to be sacrificed, fat had to be burned, blood had to be sprinkled, incense had to be lit. Everything about the temple, the priests, the sacrifice, the showbird, the burning of the incense, and even the temple itself, all typified Christ. They all pointed to Christ, all pointed to him. And it pictures the one who is our rest, the one who is our Sabbath, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells these self-righteous religious Pharisees that in this place is one greater than the temple. One greater than the temple. The one who was talking with them and walking with his disciples is the very one who is the fulfillment of all those types and shadows in the Old Testament. 
All those things recorded in the Old Testament, including the Sabbath. Because you were to rest on the Sabbath. Who's our rest? Christ. Christ is our rest as believers. Greater than, one greater than the temple is with you. One greater than the temple walked among those who were supposed to be looking for the Messiah. Yet they did not know who he was. And nothing's changed. Nothing's changed, beloved. Nothing's changed. Most who profess to be followers of Christ, religious works-based people, have no idea what it means that Christ is the believer's Sabbath. They continually try to work. They continually try to do something. Christ is not their resting place. But for the believer, our resting place is Christ and Christ alone. We find no other rest. We've ceased from our labors, haven't we? And our rest is in Christ and Christ alone. Nowhere else. Nowhere else, beloved. One greater than the temple walked among these men. And they had no idea who he was. Let us consider the last verse in our text, verse 5 of Luke chapter 6. And he said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Let us take note of two things here before us, brought out clearly in our text. Note the words, the Son of Man. This speaks of our Lord's humanity. He was a real man. He was a real man. He was fully God, and he was fully man. But yet he's sinless. And this is evident here by the fact that he is, God is evident when he proclaims that the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Lord of the Sabbath. So we see here as humanity very plainly proclaimed. We know that the Lord is the creator too, don't we? We know that. He created all things by the word of his power. He's Lord over all creation. He's Lord over all people. He's Lord over all things. And that includes the Sabbath. (laughs) That includes the Sabbath. So as God, he's Lord over all things. Over everything. Over everything. And he proclaims here that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Don't forget that he's God and man. He's God and he's the Word incarnate, beloved. So they saw him with natural eyes. And they heard him with natural ears. But they did not see him with the eye of faith. They did not see him with the eye of faith. They did not hear him with spiritual ears. And neither did we until the Lord gave us seeing eyes and hearing ears. <laughs> oh my. And think upon what our Lord told his disciples in light of what we see here. Turn if you would. This is a, this is a beautiful little verse here. Turn to Matthew thirteen sixteen, And think of this in light. These Pharisees couldn't see who he was. They did not know who he was. 
Now think of this, you who, you who are the redeemed and, and beloved of God. And we looked at it in Sunday school, have we not tasted that the Lord is gracious, right? We have, haven't we? We have. But look at this in Matthew. I, I love this little verse. Matthew thirteen sixteen, speaking to his people. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. If you see Christ with the eye of faith, blessed. You're blessed. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Because not everyone sees, and not everyone hears. Oh, we're blessed people, beloved. We're a blessed people. Oh, my. So as God, he's, he's Lord over the Sabbath in eternity. And as God incarnated in the flesh, he's Lord over the Sabbath. He's Lord in deity, and he's Lord as the God-man. <laughs> and he's just proclaiming that to them here. The Son of Man is, also, is, is Lord also of the Sabbath. Who is this proclaiming this? This is the Word. This is the word of God, who in the beginning was with God and was God. And this is the very word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. My, he is Lord. And he proclaims, the God-man himself proclaims that he is Lord also of the Sabbath. Our Savior is fully God and fully man. The God-man mediator. God, and, and this is God himself. God incarnate in the flesh talking to these sinful, finite Pharisees. The, and think of this. The very one who instituted the Sabbath is speaking to them. And they're accusing his disciples of violating the Sabbath. He's the one who instituted it. <laughs> oh my, have you not read? He asked them. They read, but they didn't see. They read, but they didn't see, brother. Oh, my, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Oh, my. He is the lawgiver. He is the one who instituted the Sabbath, and he's the only one. Now, think of this. They're accusing the disciples of breaking the law, and they're talking to the very one who is the only one who ever fulfilled the law. And they don't have a clue who he is. They don't have a clue. They're just looking to find fault with him. He alone has all authority over the Sabbath because he's Lord over it. He's Lord over all. And the Pharisees, the Pharisees had to heap tradition, traditions and, and religious things that people had to do. They yoked the Israelites. They yoked them. They were in bondage. And they yoked the people. They were hypocrites because they yoked the people with the very things that they themselves could not even do. My. They used rules. And think of this too. They used rules and traditions to control the people. That's what they were afraid of. That they were going to lose control, power. And here's the one standing before them that has all power and might. All, and they don't know who he is. 
But if you know who he is, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Oh, my. They were setting themselves up as lords over the people. But there's only one Lord. Only one Lord. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath because Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh. And he is absolutely sovereign over all things. And the one who is absolutely sovereign over all things is the one who keeps the believers, keeps our souls, keeps us. My, what a Savior, what a Redeemer. And he's free to do, think of this too, they're questioning him, and he's Lord over all, Lord over the Sabbath, the one who instituted it. They're questioning him, and yet he is free as God to do whatever he pleases with the Sabbath. <laughs> you see the hypocrisy here? It's incredible. But our Lord vindicates the disciples, doesn't he? He vindicates the disciples with the wonderful truth set here before us that he alone, the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh, is Lord of the Sabbath. And he has the right to allow them to do what they did on that day. And let us remember that the Sabbath was for man and not man for the Sabbath. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. The law was our schoolmaster, beloved. The law was our schoolmaster. To what? To bring us to Christ. To bring us to Christ. Oh, this is wonderful. Galatians 3, verses 24 to 26. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And we know faith is a gift, don't we? Faith is a gift. It's a gift of God. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now God's people, we rest in Christ, don't we? He's our Sabbath. He's our rest. And how? when do we rest in Christ? All the time. 24-7. When we're waking, when we're sleeping, we rest in Him. All the time. All the time. He's our king. He keeps us. He keeps us. We just, we just don't come on Sundays and worship Christ. No, we worship Christ all the time, don't we? We do. We love him. We love him. We're to gather together. The Lord told us not to forsake the assembly. We're to gather together. But the Lord is the believer's Sabbath. The Lord is the believer's rest. And that's why Paul writes, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. We rest in him. I want us to close with two scriptures. Romans chapter 4 and Hebrews 4.10. Romans chapter 4 and Hebrews 4.10. Oh, the Lord is our rest and he is also Lord of the Sabbath because he's Lord over all. Romans 4, 5 first. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, and that's speaking of Christ. The first him is the believer. 
And the second hymn is Christ. That justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And then look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. Brother Matt read that portion. I had him read that for because it talks all about the rest. Look at Hebrews 4.10. For he that has entered into his rest, he hath also ceased from his own works, as God did from his. We who believe, rest and trust in Christ, we've ceased from our labor. And we've entered into our rest. Now what's the hardest thing for a believer? And I I want to bring this up. What's the hardest thing for a believer as we we go through this this world? Just to rest. Just to rest. God give us grace. And God give us strength. Just to rest and trust in Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this time that we've had together. We thank thee that in this world, Wonderful portion of scripture, we see that you are Lord over all. Lord over all. And you alone are the rest for the believer. Oh Lord, may our eyes be set upon thee this week and our hearts be drawn to thee as we think about your scripture, think about what you've done for us, and think of how you've been so gracious to us and so merciful to us in the redemption of our souls. May you be glorified and magnified as we speak today, in Jesus' name, amen.